you need to understand, first, they received a personal invitation. Secondly, they had given some kind of indication that they would come. Thirdly, they sent an excuse that was lame. Would you agree? For example, if you invited me to your home next Saturday night, you sent me a personal invitation. I knew the time, the date, and the place. I said, you know what? I'll come. And then Saturday afternoon, I call you up and I say, oh man, you know what? I have bought me a brand new Corvette and I just got to go try it out. Now, think for a moment. Did I buy that Corvette on a whim? Not likely. I've been thinking about buying that Corvette for some time. I have been shopping. I have picked it out. I have arranged financing. I knew full well that I was getting that Corvette, right? Why couldn't I try it out on Sunday or Monday or whenever? The one who bought the oxen. You know, oh, how we do this? I just bought me a brand new PC. And pastor... You know, I would say to you, I, I, hey, man, I just bought me a brand new PC and I got to try this thing out. Or I just got me a new iPod or whatever and I got to try this thing out. And you're going to say, couldn't you try that out some other time? That's in your mind, isn't it? Why is that more important than you keeping your agreement to come to this banquet with me? And then the last one is probably more lame than any of them. I have married me a wife. Please excuse me. How many of you have ever had a wedding that was planned and conducted in 24 hours? Can I see your hands? I didn't think so. No. A wedding is planned for weeks and months in advance. The date is set. All the arrangements are made. Now you're telling me that this guy is saying, I can't come because I just got married. He knew he was getting married when he accepted the invitation. Do you see the logic of the parable then? The excuses are lame. Now let's apply it to the time and the people that he's talking to. Jesus presents himself as the Messiah. He invites them to the kingdom of God. They refuse. He's directing this to those people who are the leadership of Israel and others who are rejecting him as the Messiah. That's who it applies to first. But it also uh, goes beyond that and it applies to any who hear the gospel. And in America, how could you not hear the gospel? How could you miss hearing the gospel in America? There's a church on every corner. There are crosses everywhere. There are TV programs galore. How could you miss hearing the gospel at least one time? And then you say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to go to church or you know what? I need to get saved. You know what? One of these days, I'm going to straighten up and start living right. What are those? Those are good intentions, aren't they? Those are actually commitments in a way. But what happens? Sunday rolls around and, oh, man, it's raining. Ah, I'll put off getting saved another week. You know? We hear uh, some music or a preaching or a brother or sister witness to us. And we say, you know what? You've got a good point, man. I, I really do need to get saved. I need to straighten my life up. And you know what? As soon as I get around to it, I'm going to do that. And you know what? You never get around to it. And time rolls on. And guess what? One day, friend, all of your excuses, which really are just rejecting Christ, you got to get this point. All of your reasons, all of your excuses for not accepting Jesus Christ are 
in essence rejecting him. And he knows it. You're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling anybody. You're certainly not fooling Jesus. And you shouldn't believe that you're fooling anybody else. I know. For 20 some years, I put him off. He, out of grace, his wonderful grace and his faithfulness, kept after me. Until finally, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Friend, let me tell you, that's been the best time of my life. I wished I had gotten saved at a much earlier age than I did. I was saved at about age 22, I think. I would to God that I had gotten saved as a young person. Sometimes young people think they live the boringest life because they're raised in a Christian home. I want to tell you something. You've got the good life and just ain't got sense enough to know it. You have no idea, and I pray that you never do know what it's like to live unsaved. Because it is a horrible life. And it can mess you up in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. You don't have to experience that life to be thankful that you are saved. You've got a testimony. I have known God all of my life. You've got a testimony that many, many, many people cannot relate to. But you need to tell it and you need to share it with them.